Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82. A Psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone that's located in Canada, the United States, other regions around the world where it is the morning. Uh, Shalom, peace. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This is the 301st broadcast of this program. This program began in 2007. I've been broadcasting for approximately nine years now. What we're going to talk about today on this program is what is the generation of the righteous? The Bible indicates that there is a generation that will be righteous, mostly. The question that I have to pose to you is, are we really living in a righteous generation? And what is the Bible's definition of a generation? So let's look at this. Um, A good reference tool that I suggest anyone use is called the Complete Word Study Dictionary. It takes a word, any word, out of the Bible, and it gives you the main other scriptures to help you understand what that word really means. So, in this case, we are focusing on the biblical word generation, and if you look in your your Strong's Concordance and type in a generation in your Strong's Concordance, and I suggest that uh, anyone that wants to really dig deep into the Bible, uh, you you should get a concordance, and you should actually get eSword. eSword is a free Bible tool. And just type in eSword, E-S-W-O-R-D, in Google, and you can download this software for free. The software includes, integrated within it, Strong's Concordance. And you can actually, with the software, go to a word, and it'll pop up the Strong's number on there. And when you click on that num, uh, you click on it as I'm doing here. It gives you the original Hebrew word. It even gives you the Hebrew that it was written in, and it, it tells you what it means. 
in Hebrew so you can get a deeper understanding of it. Now, generation, the Strong's number for it is H as in Hope, 1755. And it means properly a revolution of time, that is an age or generation. It also can mean a dwelling. And what I do, too, with this software program, I type in the, the number, H as in Hope, 1755, and when I type that in the search box, it gives me all the words throughout the Bible that has that particular Hebrew word for generation. Now, uh, in, in some cases, uh, the word is translated in English, and that gives you a, a, a deeper insight on how the translators um, interpreted that Hebrew word based on the context of Scripture. And so anyway, uh, this isn't a uh, Bible study today on how to do Bible study, but I just wanted to <laughs> tell you how that's, I'm going to talk about this more, how I do Bible study so that you learn. Uh, that's really how I do deep Bible study. So anyway, getting back to generation, what the Complete Word Study Dictionary uh, does. Now, I have said this before, the Complete Word Study Dictionary is like Strong's Concordance on steroids. <laughs> That's what it is. All right, so this is what uh, the author of the Complete Word Study Dictionary says in reference to the word generation. It says, it is a masculine noun meaning generation, a period of time, posterity, age, time, setting of life. In general, the word indicates the time from birth to death, the time from one's birth to the birth of one's first child, the living adults of a certain time or place, a period as it is defined through major events, person's behavior, and the spirit of the age. It also marks a duration of time. So there is no agreed on length of time which may stretch from one which may stretch from twenty to one hundred years, but the word is also used figuratively to mean an indefinite or unending time or length of time in the past or future. These basic observations can be illustrated from various passages and contexts. Now, he's going to um, give us some scriptures here. The generation of Noah was characterized by wickedness and violence, yet he was a righteous man in his generation. And now, that's, that's really significant here. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 6, and he describes the generation that Moshe, not Moshe, but Noah lived in. In Genesis 6, verse 1, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of Yah saw daughters of men, that they were fair. Uh, you know, For those who are listening to me for the first time, if you don't have a clue what I said as far as Yah, Yah is short uh, for um, God in Hebrew. So the sons of Yah saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. So that indicates that there's some issues with that. In verse 3, and the master said, I'm saying master, uh, Lord, Hebraically certainly means master. And the master said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, indicating that his spirit was striving with man. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, this is interesting, 120 years, because the writer of the first five books of the Bible lived 120 years, Moshe. 
which I find very interesting. So this God is giving us um, a number to a generation. It could be 120 years. There's other spots in the Bible where it can be 70 or 80 years. Some say 40. But the main theme is that it's a span of years. Now, in verse 4, it says there were giants in the earth in those days, and that's what the Bible says, folks. It says there were giants. And people want to argue and fuss about it, but that's what it says. Uh, Giants in those days, tyrants, and also after that were the sons of Yah come into the daughters of men. Oops. And also after that, when the sons of Yah came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. So there was something going on supernatural here to cause giants on the earth and uh, contemporaries of the first century, Josephus and Philo, uh, have stated the same thing. Verse 5, And Yah saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And people say, well, today we haven't reached that point. I totally disagree with you. I totally disagree with you, and God does too. Because what did Yeshua say? Let's hold our place in Genesis 6, verse 5, and turn to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Starting at verse 20. It states, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of Yah should come, he answered and said unto them, The kingdom of Yah comes not with observation, meaning that you have to have faith that is going to come. Verse 21, Neither shall they say, Lo, here or though there, for behold, the kingdom of Yah is within you, meaning that in type, in spirit, it was already there because the leader of the kingdom of Yah on the earth was right in front of them. Verse 22, and he said unto his Talmudim, or disciples, or students, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. Verse 23. And they shall say to you, See here or see there, go not after them, nor follow. Verse 24. For as the lightning that lights out of the one part under heaven, or the sky, shines into the other part under the sky, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day, Verse 25, but first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. So when he's talking about this generation, in that context, he's talking about the generation of the first century that he was living in. Verse 26, now, as and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wise, we just uh, read the scripture where they married wives of which they chose. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Verse 29, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And remember Lot's wife, 
Now, in Luke chapter 17, verse 31, it talks about something that described in the Bible as have some, having something to do with the Great Tribulation. I'm going to prove this by going to Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, and reading it to uh, verse 17. Matthew 24, verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, is a literal place, part of the temple structure, whosoever readeth, let him understand. That's why he put that there, because that's a prophecy of people not understanding what he's saying. And this is referring to an event that happened in the 2nd century B.C., about 165, well, in the 160th B.C., and the event that it's talking about, uh, it birthed Hanukkah, Antiochus Epiphanes, taking over Jerusalem, sacrificing pigs on an altar, and, and putting the statue of Zeus in the area of the sacrifices. That was the abomination that made desolation. Revelation chapter 13 describes something similar to that will occur in these end times. And in the in the first century it occurred. So you already had two incidences of a type of great tribulation or abomination or desolation. It's going to happen again. And notice in those two cases where it happened, there was a built structure or temple where someone, someone can enter into that triggered those events, that was involved in those events. That's going to happen again the third time. There's prophecies in the Bible that prove that. In particular, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, when it talks about a temple, an altar, and people that worship therein. And it talks about measuring. And, and the book of Ezekiel is certainly um, uh, in the grain or is, is matched with the, um, the book of Revelation. Two, that's what I'm trying to say. It's tied to uh, the book of Revelation because if you study the first chapter of Ezekiel, it, the same phraseology as far as measuring with a rod is there, and it's, it's, in, in, in that case, it's talking about a built structure. But anyway, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 15, where ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, who, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Verse 16, then let them which be in Judea, Judea is the West Bank today, flee into the mountains. Now, this is a very, I'm going to get a program on this in the future, but I know some people may, may wonder, well, does, when God talks about being worthy to escape all these things, then in Revelation chapter 12, he talks about uh, some believers being able to escape into her place. And so, obviously, there is a place for believers to go to in these end times to be protected. And Yeshua said that you had to be worthy to escape all these things. Well, in the Bible, it reveals where that place is, folks. And in verse 16, it says, Then let them which be in Judea flee into mounts. So that means a particular group of people, obviously, are going to be in Judea, so that they can flee to the mountains. The nearest mountains in Judea uh, are in the Jordan area. All right, and then Pella. 
anyway, verse 17, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, same phraseology that was used in Luke chapter 17. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck, or those who are pregnant in those days. It's going to be difficult. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Shabbat day. In verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, no ever shall be. In verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. All right, so when you go and look at Luke chapter 17, it states in that day, what day? The day of his second coming, or the time or generation of his second coming. In that day, he, sh he which shall be on the pound of housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it away. And so when you go to Matthew chapter 20, uh, 24, verse 17, he says the same thing. Let him which is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. So it's talking about the same time period. It's talking about the start of the Great Tribulation, which will lead at the time it's coming to the destruction of many people. And Isaiah chapter 24 says this. Isaiah chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Behold, a master makes the earth empty and makes it waste and turns it upside down, and scatter abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 2, And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the bower, as with the taker of usury, who takes interest, so with the giver of usury, who charges interest to him. 3, The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the master has spoken this word. It doesn't mean that you can't buy anything, uh, use credit cards. It's just saying that the Bible indicates highly that if you have a brother, you shouldn't charge interest to him. But it doesn't say anything about someone who's not a brother. But anyway, verse 3, that's not a Bible. So the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the master has spoken this word. Verse 4, the earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth do language. What does that word language mean in Hebrew? It means droop, to be sick. And that is true. Many people in this country, and certainly around the world, are sick. We have all kinds of ailments. We have cancer. We have diabetes. We have all kinds of ailments because we don't eat right, and we don't use essential oils or herbs to help in the healing process. And quite frankly, you're not obeying God, and that's the reason why we're cursed in the first place with all these things. Verse 5, the earth also is defiled, and defiled in Hebrew means what? It means pollutes. It is profane. We drive cars in Western civilization in other parts of the globe, and you have all this black smoke that go, goes off from it and goes into the atmosphere. We are destroying this world. The earth mourns and fades away. The world language and fades away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth is also defiled, means under a state of decay, under the inhabitants there, because they have transgressed the Torahs, that word law, and the, the Hebrew means Torahs, and this is plural, the Torahs, or the Torahs, all right, meaning the judgments and doctrines and teachings of Yah, the Torahs, Change the ordinance, 
broken the everlasting covenant. In verse 6, Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, which indicates war, nuclear war, nukes, and judgments of God. And few men are left. Few. That word few simply means, in Hebrew, mizar, and it means diminutiveness. Very tiny men left on the earth. Now, keep in mind that we have a population of 7 billion, and that's what it would be, people on the earth as I am speaking. Dwindle down to a very few people on the earth by the time that Yeshua comes back. So this is what he means, that we're in a generation um, where it's similar to Noah. Now, getting back to Genesis chapter 6, time is moving along here. I'm going to get ready to really reveal this righteous generation uh, concept in the Bible here. And so, in verse 5, he said that it was so wicked on the earth, and it's so wicked today. Uh, I, I would have to say, based on my experience, that we are certainly living in the days of Noah as far as how we think. Most people are selfish, and they think about themselves. They very, very few people ever think about other people, how to help other people. In verse 6, And it repented the master that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse 7, and the master said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth. And so it, it, it really hurt him that he even created him. And verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the, of the master of favor. And in verse 9, he says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his or complete in his generations. He was a, had a, he was a man of integrity. And Noah walked with Yah. All right, so, and then Genesis 7, verse 1 says, And the master said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now, what is the Bible's definition of righteous? Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 172. 172 says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let me repeat it. Psalm 119, 172. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy mitzvah, or commandments, are righteousness. So that's what the Bible definition of righteousness is. So Noah, to the best of his ability, was keeping the commandments of Yah in his wicked generation. Continuing on with the complete word study dictionary, Moshe spoke of a crooked generation in his day and in the future, Deuteronomy 32, verse 5. And so in Deuteronomy 32, verse 5, it states plainly, they have corrupted themselves, their spot is not in the spot of his children, they are a perverse and crooked generation. And this is certainly... Uh, this generation today. However, the Bible indicates that through this wicked generation, there will be birthed a righteous generation. 
And let's take a look at this here. And in Psalm chapter 14, Psalm chapter 14, and there's prophecy in the book of Psalms, ladies and gentlemen, because a lot of the Psalms are written by a prophet called David, King David. Psalm 14, verse 1, the chief musician, a Psalm of David. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no Yah. They are corrupt. They have done a bot. Now listen to this. I want you to focus on this. Please focus on it. Look and think about the context of what I'm talking about here. All right? The fool has said in his heart, there is no Yah. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. This is the days of Noah that we're living in today. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how he views the earth, just like he viewed it back during the days of Noah. It was like hardly anyone was doing anything righteous. It was so wicked, even though there were a few people righteous on the earth. Verse 2, just like in the days of Noah, that's the same way it is today. Verse 2, this is a prophecy. The master looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek Yah. Verse 3, they are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Just like in the days of Noah. Verse 4. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread. So here we go again with the concept of socioeconomics in the Bible. If you rip up every scripture that talks about the oppression and social injustice of humanity, you wouldn't have a Bible left. That's how much God cares about people. Verse 4. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the master. That's the kind of society we live in today, folks. Now, verse 5 is the pivotal verse. There they, there were they in great fear. For Yah is in the generation of the righteous. So, what he's saying, ladies and gentlemen, that there will be a generation of the righteous raised up in all this chaos. Verse 6, just like in Noah, he preserved a seed to be a righteous generation. Verse 6, you have shamed the counsel of the poor because the master is his refuge. And then verse 7, oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When the master bringeth back or he returns or um, he destroys or gets rid of the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. And this is interesting. Whenever God puts Jacob in there, Jacob is certainly the name of Israel before he was named Israel. And Jacob at the time, he uh, was still learning some things before he converted over to being a stronger spiritual um, man. And so when you see Israel, Jacob in Israel, Jacob is is Israel when he was not as spiritually uh, mature as he as, as he was when he became Israel. So anyway, when we look at Psalm chapter 12, this is an interesting psalm as well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in light of what I'm trying to, to teach you here. And to the chief musician upon uh, Shemineth, a psalm of David, help. Master, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Verse 2, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. 
Verse 3, the master shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speak of proud things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is the master over us? Verse 5 of Psalm 12, verse, uh, and this is interesting. You have Psalm 14, verse 5, then you have Psalm 12, verse 5. They all are pretty much uh, describing the same thing, folks. For the oppression of the poor... For the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, says the master. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. And so, it says in Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the master whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, says the master of hosts. Verse 2, but who may abide in the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, or Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the master an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the master, as in the days of old, as in the former years. What I'm trying to explain to you and reveal to you is that the righteous generation will be birthed through trial and great tribulation in this century, this 21st century. Verse 5, And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling in his wages the widow, and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, says the master of hosts. All right, so this is all certainly matching the scriptures that I have quoted you, ladies and gentlemen. And so the righteous generation is a generation that will birth truly righteous people through great tribulation. In Psalm 24, verse 6, it states that the righteous generation is a righteous generation where people seek the master. Are people seeking the master right now, folks? Is, is, a, is a, a good part of humanity doing that? Of course not. All right? And in Psalm 24, verse 5, he says, He shall receive the blessing from the master. The righteous and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. O Jacob. Selah. Think about that. All right, so Isaiah chapter uh, 26 should really help you understand what I'm saying here. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. With my soul have I desired thee in the night? Yes. With my spirit within me will I seek thee early, for when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. That is the Bible definition of a righteous generation, ladies and gentlemen. It will be birthed through great tribulation. Now, a generation is a period of time for a human's life. It can be a span of time or the spirit of the age. And I stated that it can be 70 years, 80 years, 120 years, according to the Bible. Psalm 90, verse 10, in the Amplified Version, for amplica- amp- to, to amplify the scripture, 
says the days of our years are three score years and ten, seventy years, or even if by reason of strength, four score years, eighty years. So the days of our years, a generation. Yet is there pride in additional years? Only labor and sorrow for it is gone, and we fly away. For the soon gone, we fly away. So he's writing here telling us how our lives quickly, <laughs> they, they, our, our lives are pretty quick, and we got to do what we can to, to make sure that we're living righteously. And then in Genesis 6, verse 3, Then the Master said, My spirit shall not forever dwell and strive with man, for he is also flesh, but his days shall yet be 120 years. Genesis 6, verse 3. And so also in these end times, it talks about in this wicked generation that will birth a righteous generation. Psalms 30, verse 14. Pretty inter- I don't hear this scripture quoted too much, but I'm going to quote it. Uh, No, it's not Psalms. Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. There's prophecy in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 30, verse 14, states plainly the following. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among, among men and Hey, that's another sign that we are in the end times, ladies and gentlemen. If, if people you weren't looking for signs, well, that's a major sign. And and if you don't understand that, I'm going to go to my website here, and I have this on my website for a reason, for people to go and prove for themselves that we are living in the end time generation. Uh, is If you look at my website, look at the left side of the menu bar, Merciful Servants of God. And if you click on Poverty Facts, it takes you to a website that is probably the best website on the entire planet on proving that uh, we are uh, in a very oppressed society. And the name of the website is called globalissues.org. It has all kinds of facts that you cannot deny. And this website was built by Anup Shaw. And right here on the page that uh, if you click, if you go to Merciful Service of God and click Poverty Facts, uh, you're going to get this this one uh, statistic that backs up Proverbs 30, verse 14. It says, almost half the world, over 3 billion people, that's what it would be, live on less than $2.50 a day. And then he goes on. At least 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. You tell me that is not talking about this generation? It is. More than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. Let me underscore that again. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three quarters of world income. Again, the richest 20% accounts for three-quarters of world income. This did not occur until the 1800s with the invention of the steamboat in Britain and the Industrial Revolution was birthed. And through that, we started getting the the wide division of the rich and the poor. What did Yeshua say? A kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. That is also a sign, ladies and gentlemen, that we are in the end times. According to UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day Due to poverty, each day, 22,000 children die each day 
due to poverty. Again, 22,000 children each day die due to poverty, and they die quietly in some of the poorest villages on the earth, far removed from the scrutiny and the conscience of the world being meek and weak in life makes these dying multitudes even more invisible in death. Yes, we are living in a wicked generation, but the good news is that out of the wicked generation, there will be a righteous generation. And through this wicked generation, he is raising a royal priesthood, a kingly priesthood. States here in First Peter 2, verse 9 to 10. But you are a chosen generation. It's prophecy in this scripture. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now of Yah, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so he's raising up a royal priesthood in this generation. That is what he is doing, ladies and gentlemen. And there will be a time when there will only be righteousness here on the earth, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be some spots of wickedness, but the majority of mankind will be righteous. And I'm going to read a beautiful prophecy here in Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 9. It says, And there shall come forth, Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 9, And there shall come forth a rod of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the master shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the master. What is the fear of the master? To hate evil. Psalm, I mean, Proverbs 8, verse 13. And to keep the commandments of God. That's how you have the fear of the master. That's in Psalm 111, verse 10. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and repute with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. And the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on a cockatrice's den. They shall hurt, not hurt, nor destroy in all my holy mountain. And why? Why is that the case? For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the master. As the waters cover the sea. The reason why most of the people in Noah's world were wicked is because they didn't have full knowledge of the master. Key. Full knowledge of the master. The same is the case in this 21st century. Most don't have full knowledge of the master. That's the reason why there's destruction in the world. That's the easiest way I can explain that to you, ladies and gentlemen. That's why there is a destruction in the world today. And that's why there's great wickedness in the world. And so, ladies and gentlemen, you should understand, and this wicked generation that will birth righteous people in a generation is also the nuclear bomb generation. 
and I've, I've talked about this before, but uh, Einstein, back in 1952, this is found in the book The Fate of the Earth, stated that when we detonated as a test the thermonuclear bomb back in 1952, we had the capability for fulfilling the following scripture. In Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 22. And except those days, what days? The days of this wicked generation that will birth a righteous generation that involves thermonuclear bombs. Verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, none. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. We did not reach that status, ladies and gentlemen, until 1952. And if you want to get a rough idea of the Messiah's coming estimate, if you add 70 uh, to 1952 or 80 or 120, that gives us a rough idea. But none of us know the exact time. But he did tell us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 the following in verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly, and it does say perfectly, in the Greek it means exactly, exactly, that the day of the master so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in distress, that that day should overtake you as a thief. So we shouldn't be surprised in this century. You are all children of light, and the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so we are not supposed to be totally in the dark, ladies and gentlemen, about prophecy and, and the end times. That's the reason why on the other radio show that I speak on, MessianicLambRadio.com, I, uh, in the beginning of the program, I always talk about world events. I talk about what's going on so we can fulfill that, that scripture, uh, this scripture, and also Luke chapter 21, verse 36, that uh, we have to be to be worthy to escape all these things. We can't let the problems of the world catch up to us, and many of us, uh, even in this movement, do that. Uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 36, he says, watch, well, actually he actually states here and warns us here, Luke chapter 21, verse 34, I'm going to read this in the basic Bible English version for clarity's sake, uh, it says, but give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life, and that that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. Verse 35, for so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth. The majority of people, because they don't have the full knowledge of God, are going to be surprised. Verse 36, but keep watch at all times with prayer that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. Okay, so there, there, and then in Luke chapter 21, verse 36 in the King James Version is even clearer. It says that you be, may be worthy to escape all these things. On a future program, I'm going to talk to you about where the Bible reveals where that place is and what we must do to be able to go to that place, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, may Yah bless and keep you, and Yah willing, I'll be available to speak to you next week. Shalom. Peace.
Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.